Welcome to Open Studio, Conversations on Art, brought to you by Graves and Mallet Art Solutions. I'm your co-host, Denise Mallet. In this podcast, my partner, Leslie Graves, and I explore the amazing world of visual arts through the lens of art lovers just like you. By sharing extraordinary stories, conversations, and interviews with artists, collectors, gallery owners, curators, and more, all of whom have embraced visual arts by changing lives to establishing legacies, as well as building world-renowned collections. Today on Open Studio, we had the pleasure of speaking with collector, philanthropist, and cultural influencer, Lynn Weaver-Pitts. That conversation gave us insight on what drives her to collect, the memorable moment of her first art acquisition, her philosophy on investing in art, why she thinks emerging artists are so important, and the significance of our community supporting and helping to sustain our African-American museums. Once again, we have an incredible interview in store for you when we return. I'd like to welcome um, you all back to today's episode of Open Studio, Conversations on Art. Leslie and I are virtually sitting down for a conversation with collector Lynn Weaver-Pitts, whose private collection, in my opinion, has some of the most sought-after masterpieces, as well as some of today's cutting-edge and progressive artists. Leslie? Lynn is a philanthropist, a cultural influencer, and to our envy, a retired corporate <laughs> executive. Yes. Lynn has held a number of leadership positions in national philanthropic and social organizations, including the Lynx Incorporated, the Northeasterners, and the Sophisticates. Lynn serves on the board of directors of the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History in Detroit, the largest museum of its kind. She also serves as a director for the Inambi Arts Center in Detroit. As you can tell from this brief introduction, Lynn is an avid supporter of arts and culture. She has amassed an impressive and significant collection of African-American art, which we are about to explore. Lynn, we are delighted to welcome you to our Open Studio podcast, and we thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much, Leslie and Denise. It's very nice to be here this morning. Great. great. Lynn, I'm just going to get right to it and ask you what's on our minds. Why do you collect African-American art and why is it important to you? Well, one is basic. I like it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but um, oh, years ago, I lived in uh, Stanford, Connecticut, and I used to go into New York City all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'd go to the Soho area, which, you know, is full of artists. And all of the galleries that were featuring African-American or African art were filled with um, Caucasians, with, with uh, you know, white Americans. And I felt like, gosh, they're getting all of our art. We should have 
our art. <laughs> we should have pieces of that. And so uh, I started trying to, um, you know, collect. Yeah. It's wonderful. Understood. Understood. And so, Lynn, Denise and I have had the privilege of visiting your home and looking at your uh, extensive collection. But to our listeners, tell us what you collect. Well, it's actually um, a, a wide variety. Um, mostly it's um, what oils and um, watercolors. Um, however, I do like sculptures and um, I'm, I'm beginning to try to acquire some of those pieces. Um, but, you know, some of my favorite um, artists are like Jack Whitten, um, um, I had the Richard Mayhew is another Charles Alston, um, Lois, um, Mayhew Jones, who uh taught at Howard University, was a yeah. professor there. Um, and Norman Lewis, who a lot of people don't know, and I unfortunately only have one piece of his, uh, but he was featured uh in the New York Times uh a few years ago. Um, and oh, he's deceased, uh, but he, his daughter um, was being interviewed and she was um, expressing her concern. Father really did not receive the recognition and praise when he was alive. And uh, people are just beginning to know who he is. But um, I, I really like uh, I like his his work. So those yeah. are some of them. Yeah. That's fantastic, Lynn. Do you remember your first act, art acquisition? I do. Um, there was a gentleman who actually was out of Chicago, um, and his his name uh, I don't remember his first name, but it was Lissley, and he. Um, I became, or my, my mother uh, became uh, familiar with him through her sister in Chicago and um, uh, sister-in-law because they were collectors. So that's another reason. Obviously, collecting art has been something that my family has done. And Lissaly would travel. And he actually traveled to Flint and he brought these pieces. And... Um, to my mother's home, to our home. And I was getting ready to move to Stanford, Connecticut at the time. And um, I had no money, but he, you know, he said, well, you can pay this over time. And I got three pieces. I got, um, there are actually two pieces from um, South African artists. Uh, one was the oil and uh, the other is a watercolor. Uh, and then I got a mask, an African mask. And, and um, the reason I got the mask is my nephew came in the room and he was just a little fellow at the time. And I thought the mask was going to frighten him. And he ran right over to it and he was like, oh, look. <laughs> and so oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's so wonderful. I said, oh, well, I better get that because he really likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lynn, I have a question for you. When you're, I mean, you said you've purchased art because it really, maybe it resonates with you, you like it. Um, but now you've 
uh, you clearly have a large uh, collection now. How do you make a decision to either purchase or invest in art? And is investment something that's um, something you think about when you're making decisions now? I, I do. Uh, but again, I, I, my, my primary uh, or initial reaction is, do I like it? Yes. Um, and, and then, yes, certainly um, as an investment. Uh, I remember uh, someone told me one time that, um, um, in fact, it was George Inamdi, who uh, said, you know, art is, collecting art is like your 401k. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, it. and it is diversifying. I mean, when we talk to our audience and, and many are, are clearly listeners and lovers of art, but we have some new uh, aspiring collectors and we want to motivate them to get what they like, but they should view it as a way to diversify um, their wealth as well um, as they're building and growing. What can you speak to uh, young artists or not young in age, but maybe new collectors about the importance of that? Well, you know, I think that um, number one, they ought to, they ought to um, think about it from the standpoint of art is something that you will have forever. And yes. uh, so investing in it and, in, and looking too at some of the younger artists who are just starting and, and not try to begin with, uh, you know, Romare Bearden or, <laughs> or um, uh, Richard, Richard Mayhew. Mayhew. <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> um, and, you know, just see what some of the younger artists are doing. Um, and, 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 and I think, the diversification is important. I think that um, photography is another um, uh, venue that I think that uh, individuals should start looking at. Um, you know, there's a, a young man um, named Tyler Mitchell. Um, he's like 23, 24 years old. And he, in fact, he did the cover of Vogue uh, for, with Beyonce. But yes, yes. he, you know, he, he's young and actually he, he may already be getting to the point that it'll be uh, his, his uh, uh, collection or his, his art may be more uh, expensive than uh, one would think for his age. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. You get the, you get the Beyonce stamp of approval, I think, in Vogue coupled with that, uh, that, that can That's right. really surpass uh, <laughs> yeah. the beginner status. Right. Yeah. So he's already there. But, um, you know, I think that looking for young artists, I know a, a young man from uh, Detroit uh, who is now really doing well, Austin Brantley. Um, yes. who, um, and I don't know how old he is, but I remember a few years ago, um, I was in the DIA and, um, looking at a piece of his and really liking it. And then I, I ran into him, um, at a street art fair wow. and, uh, uh, you know, I purchased, I purchased a couple of his uh, sculptures and they're really nice pieces. Yes. Yes, they are. They are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think just go on and, and jump in and uh, again, look to see what some of the younger artists in, in, in our area are doing, because we have a lot of artists in the area. That's right. 
And that's good advice for our new collectors and even some of our seasoned collectors to not forget the emerging artists. Uh, uh, if we think about it, once upon a time, uh, Romare Bearden was a, a, up, a starting, uh, aspiring artist once upon a exactly. time and so on. So, so that's great. That's great. Yeah, that's absolutely true. He was a social worker before he went to become a full-time artist. And uh, Dr. Walter Evans used to entertain him in his home in Detroit in the 60s. And a uh, Romare Bearden scholar spoke at Detroit Institute of Arts, and she indicated that southeastern Michigan has the largest number of Romare Bearden in private collections because of his connection with Dr. Walter Evans. And he had worked at J.L. Hudson's, and you could put it in the layaway. Can you believe that? <laughs> I cannot. I cannot believe yeah, that. I sure did come home and have a conversation with my parents about when I heard that, you know, like, why didn't you put a beard in the layaway? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said they were trying to pay for piano lessons. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lynn, I have another question for you, and it's around the piece that got away. I know I have a few that I uh, say, why didn't I? get that piece and when I went back and I thought too long and it got is there one piece or two that you can think back on that got away uh from well you? there is and it actually isn't uh, African-American um mm. it was an artist that was from uh Vermont um and I was at an art fair I used to live in Rochester New York and uh, I was at an art fair and he had this wooden um, a carving of a, a, of a woman. And it was a, it was a rather large piece and a beautiful piece. And when I look back, the cost of it was like, it, it was really very reasonable. However, I didn't have the money <laughs> and I didn't purchase it. And I have regretted that all of these years. And uh, I'm, he was older at the time. So I'm sure, um, you know, he's uh, probably no longer around. Um, but it, it has really bothered me, which that I didn't get it, which has made me, if I really like something, I try to figure out how I can get it instead mm -hmm. of, instead okay. of waiting. It's, it's Expand on that, Lynn, for people that are curious about that. Some people feel very intimidated about asking for a payment plan or some creative payment arrangement. So would you expand well, on yes. your process? Um, in fact, I have a Gorman, and that was really the first time um, that I – I knew that you could really go into um, a gallery and, and get a payment plan. I was in New York City, went in uh, a gallery um, with a girlfriend, and they had several Gordon, Gormans. And uh, I really like this one piece. And, you know, the, um, the individual running the gallery said, well, you know, you really like that. And I said, yeah, I do. And I said, but, you know, I don't have the money for it. And so she said, well, that's okay. I mean, you can pay it for it over time. Put it in layaway. <laughs> and I said, really? <laughs> she said, well, yeah, give me a deposit and we'll, you know, you can put it in layaway and pay, you know, pay over time. She didn't even give me, you know, that, well, you know, you got to pay for it in six months or, you know, whatever. 
And so I put it in layaway. And, <laughs> and uh, I got it out when I was getting ready to move from Stanford, Connecticut to uh, Rochester, New York. And she told me where to go to get it framed and everything uh, in Rochester, New York. So that was when I realized that Hmm, I'm like right off of Fifth Avenue and because uh, it wasn't in the Soho area. And here they would allow me to uh, put a piece of art in layaway. And so then I said, OK, then if they if they'll let me do it, I should be able to do it anywhere. <laughs> right. Right. No, that's good advice. A lot of people just see the price tag. And, you know, think I've got to charge it. I've got to write a check. I've got to come up with cash all at once. And it's a delicate dance mm -hmm. because galleries may ask for a percentage down, but it certainly is easier to do that and get what you like than to have to cough up the full amount or just shrink back and, and don't, you know, don't take the plunge exactly. at all. Exactly. Yeah. And, and now something I learned recently at, uh, or really thought more about uh, was from C.C. Pounder, um, yeah. you know, who is the uh, actress on um, NCIS, New Orleans NCIS. And she has <laughs> a, uh, just a, a fabulous uh, collection of art and um, she has a great eye. And one of the things that she was saying is you know she she doesn't really you know try to talk an artist down uh on price because she you know she said most you know many artists just really uh, they are you know living all day to day and so yes so whatever yes. it is that they're asking for she tries to give them what they've requested and you know and difference between dealing with the gallery and dealing directly with the exactly artists. exactly yeah. yeah yeah because the gallery's mm -hmm. getting uh you know commission Percent. a percentage of it right yeah. yeah and in most cases pretty significant yeah, uh -huh. um yeah yeah, yeah so you, and those are things that we can start educating yeah. too so i mean when you think of how do you land how do you stay Informed. I mean, do you continue to have relations? You, it's a love for art, a love for collecting. Um, but is there some, um, I don't know, periodical you take a look at? Do you hone into New York Times? Uh, or are you just visiting now in, in, in COVID, uh, in the pandemic, we don't have the luxury of having many right. openings in the, in, the, in the once upon a time way that we knew it so right. traditionally. Um, how are you staying up to date and informed? Well, um I guess one is, you know, I have several, um, you know, friends who um, are into art. And so sometimes I'll, I'll get references from them. But I do, I get, I do go through the New York Times. I get the Sunday Times. And so I'm always uh, going through that. Um, and then some of, I don't necessarily get art periodicals, but Vanity mm -hmm. Fair, um, yeah, you know, yes. Vogue, those those um, uh, magazines usually have something to do with um, art. And, um, yes. you know, so that's how I find out about some of the new emerging artists and, and what yes. their works are. Yes. OK, great. Yeah. You know what? This may be a great time for us to take a quick break. 
And when we come back, we'll have a few more, com- our, our great conversation with Lynn Weaver when we return. Hi, everyone. This is Denise Mallet, co-host of Open Studio Conversations on Art. We are so proud to have our dear friend, Eric Vaughn, and Eric's I've Been Framed Shop and Gallery to sponsor this episode. Eric's I've Been Framed is located just south of the historic Avenue of Fashion in Detroit. Eric carries a vast inventory of frames, mats and moldings to select for framing your art, family photos, mementos, and heirlooms. Eric and his knowledgeable staff, they will walk you through the important process of enhancing the beauty of each piece as well as protecting it. That's important. Eric's I've Been Framed also carries a selection of original art, movie posters, handmade note cards, and coffee table art books. For more information or to make an appointment, visit his website, ericsivebeenframed.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back to Open Studio Conversations on Art. Today we are having a delightful conversation with collector Lynn Weaver-Pitts. And Lynn, I'm going to just jump right into our second half of our conversation with what's your, if you can only pick one, what's your favorite piece that you go by and look at? Maybe one or two (laughs) of all the pieces you purchased. That's always a tough question, right? Because I think that changes uh, in times, right? Different times. Uh, We've been spending a lot of time at home. What's the one that has given you some some refuge uh, when you go take a look at it? Well, um, I have one by Jack Whitten which is, it's um, really ceramic um, tiles, or not ceramic, but glass tiles. And um, it is like red in the middle and black tiles all around it. And the Jack did the piece honoring a friend of his who had red hair. And this this Mm -hmm. friend... Um, and, and I don't remember now what happened to the friend, but he was uh, deceased. And but this this guy would always get up in in your face. And so his illustration of the friend was through this uh, particular piece. And I it's one of my earlier pieces. And I just go and look at that um, and, and just really, uh, I don't know, it brings me it brings me joy. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, yeah, and, wonderful. And, and then I already stated uh, Norman Lewis. Um, the piece I got from um, him was I was um, actually um, in the back of a gallery uh, looking at some other pieces or being directed towards other pieces. And it was just kind of sitting off on the side. And I just kept going back to it. And um, so the, um, you know, the, the gallery um, uh, person said, well, you keep going over that. I said, I know, I really like this. And uh, so that's how I, I got that one. It wasn't like that was uh, who the gallery um, um, leader was trying to uh, get me to purchase, but uh, I, I just liked it and had to have it. <laughs> 
that's that's an example of when something resonates mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. yeah that's beautiful i wanted to go back to something you said earlier family tradition of collecting can you tell me what your mother and father collected or, or what was in your uh, family home when you were growing up um well there uh, was an artist who actually uh, taught school in um, Chicago named William Carter. And um, again, my mother got to know him through my aunts in Chicago. And my, um, he, had, um, he had done a piece specifically for my, uh, my mother's sister. And, um, and, and then my mother ended up purchasing Oh, several of his pieces and um, one of them actually my sister has it it's of uh, it's a it's a big a big piece that sat on um, the uh, our fireplace wall of uh, the four kings uh, African king oh, uh, nice. and it's a it's yeah. a really uh, lovely piece and it it's um, you know again we had the art in our home um and i gosh i don't even remember some of the names of some of the others um but um i had gone many years later uh to naples florida and i went to jonathan green's studio uh, actually his home and studio and i was you know looking of course at his art but i was looking at his collection and he had a, a William Carter. And I said, oh, William Carter. And he said, you know William Carter? And I said, yes. I said, my mother and my aunts uh, have, have several of his pieces. And he was like, really? He said, most people don't know him. And I said, well, you know, I grew up around, him, around his work. And, yeah. and he said, that is just amazing. He was my mentor. And I said, really? So, uh, you know, so that was really uh, uh, exciting to know that Jonathan Green had been mentored by an artist that, um, you know, my my mother knew. (laughs) Great story. The the other thing is um, Al Loving. My, his parents, his father taught at... um, the Flint uh, campus of University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And um, his mother and my mother were friends. Well, uh, his parents and my, and my parents were friends. Um, and so, you know, I always knew about his art. And so later, um, you know, I was able to acquire a couple of his pieces. And um, uh, in fact, saw his sister a, a little while ago because she's still in Flint. And uh, I, I told her I had a couple of his pieces and she was so excited that, um, you know, uh, that a family friend um, had some of uh, his work. So, again, you know, just being around um, individuals that really liked art and or were knowledgeable of art and or were artsy uh, themselves or their selves. And his mother definitely was. She was a great lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Beautiful. Okay. Beautiful. So, Lynn, I'm gonna can I just shift gears a little bit in the hat of I mean, you're a collector, but the philanthropic work that you've done, um, I know this here in the the center of it all here in Detroit, um, and fundraisers you've done, how you've led them, how you've chaired them, the boards that you're on. What do you, how do you feel in this state of COVID and my, and my fingers crossed and prayers up for post COVID and how it's impact, impacted the artist? But more importantly, I mean, just as important, um, the institutions that educate, um, like our museums. And uh, how do you, one, what's your thought on those? And two, how do we get on the other side of this to make sure the importance of art uh, continues to be in the forefront? When so many other important, so many other issues that clearly are important are, are um, in, in our face every day. Mm, that's a that's a that's a tough question, Denise. Um, yeah. I, I, obviously, um, you know, like for instance, the museum, the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, has been impacted, um, and yeah. you know, just and or well, the DIA in that they've been closed, so they aren't. The revenue, yes. they aren't getting the revenue. So those who have, you know, who are more uh, more fortunate and um, have the uh, uh, ability to uh, give to organizations sh- should be doing that at this time. I, well, they should be anyway, but certainly during this time um, is very important. Um because museums really uh, need the, you know, the revenue uh, from people visiting. Um, of course, they also need the, um, you know, the contributions um, that, uh, you know, some of the donors are able to, um, to do. The other thing that the Charles H. Wright has been fortunate, actually, this year, in that they just received um, a significant grant from the Ford Foundation, and wonderful, uh, wonderful. and this so this really kind of puts them in an, another level. Uh, some of the other uh, organizations that uh, received uh, grants from uh, foundation this year: uh, Alvin Ailey, uh, the Dance Theater of Harlem. Uh, you know, so yeah. some some well-known, um, significant uh, artistic uh, institutions. So that uh, is helping, but it, it's not enough. And like I said, those who uh, are fortunate enough um, to have the funds uh, really at this time need to seriously consider if they are not already um uh, making contributions to uh, the artistic uh, foundations or, or institutions, I should say. And and that's it, easy to do now. Now more than ever, you can go right on the website. You can, um, if you just visit it. I mean, is there, I know you're on the board with Charles H. Wright. Is, uh, any other information, but they can contact them. We just, we want to make sure we keep are um, these treasures uh, not only uh, surviving but exactly. thriving? Uh, exactly, and uh, several of them are doing virtual fundraisers. And you yeah. know, in this pandemic, in fact, uh, that's what the the right did. Uh, and um, again, um, 
uh, we were pleasantly surprised that, um, you know, we, we were able to uh, meet and uh, uh, exceed really the goal that uh, had been set. Um, so people are uh, mindful of the situation, uh, but, you know, we need more, um, more individuals to uh, be aware and really seriously consider um, contributing. I look at, um, mm -hmm. I, I was on the board for the Garth Fagan Dance Company, uh, which was, um, yeah. which was uh, housed in Rochester, New York. And uh, Garth um, was the choreographer or is choreographer for the Lion King. And, wow. um, you know, that they, as talented as, um, uh, as the dancers and, and Garth uh, is, they had a very difficult time. And I, and I actually think, um, I don't think that they um, are still a performing um, group at this time. I think they're just doing classes now. In fact, I, I was thinking about him the other day and I said, I really ought to try to get in touch with him. Because uh, again, he's, he's an interesting person and uh, he has a, a wonderful collection of uh, Romare Bearden's uh, works. In fact, they probably knew each other because wow. he was at Wayne for a while. Mm. Not, not thinking about it, I didn't realize Romare had been uh, here in Detroit, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't know each other. Yeah, it's a small world. I'm sure their mm -hmm. paths have crossed. Uh, so along I, the way. I, I hope that answered your question. Uh, it did. It did absolutely, Lynn. I know. Um, you're, we've. I'm Leslie. I don't want to. As much as I want to keep <laughs> talking to you, I know our time is limited, and this has been an absolute delight. And and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for. Uh, sharing your wisdom and giving us a, a, a kind of a glimpse into your collection. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, uh, uh, I'm uh, very pleased to um, have been approached by you lovely ladies. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful. Lynn, we'll keep watching. Uh, you keep collecting. Uh, I can't wait till you get your um, booklet to show it all or you're in a museum with your collection because I, I know that day is coming. Or you're, very or you're loaned to a museum. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know that day is coming. Uh, we can't even capture the, the, the depth and breadth of her uh, beautiful collection. So thank you, Lynn. Thank you for keeping um, us all hopeful and excited about African-American art and, and, and art itself. Well, again, thank you for having me. We would like to thank all our open studio sponsors. A special shout out to Stuart Skaggs and Kevin Crosby for the original music score they so generously provide for this podcast. And many thanks to our guest today, Lynn Weaver-Pitts, for her time, her enthusiasm, and her love for art. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast and stay connected for our upcoming and next episode of Open Studio, when Graves and Mallet have the opportunity and pleasure of hosting art curators and lovers just like you. Follow us on social and visit our website at www.gravesmallet.art to learn more about our services, podcast, and latest blog. Until our next conversation, keep loving art.